Hi there, folks. It's time again for the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast, where we talk about everything transportation, anything that gets you from over here to over there. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am the pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Jason, I hope you saw the wonderful 360 we did last night on emotional support animals. It's the story that this podcast has been waiting for. I did see that. We replayed it this morning on our morning newscast. I was hoping for more on the airplane aspect of it because we do have uh, a story about a uh, helping dog on an airplane and how it caused some big-time havoc. Mm. Uh, That's coming up. But I did see the story, and and I felt there was still some lacking to the information that was in the story. It did feel a little... I would agree with that. What happened in the newsroom, and I did not expect this to happen, was everybody asked the same question, which was, why do I care if I get to sit next to a dog on a plane? That sounds great. But it's not necessarily a dog. Right. And it's not necessarily a little Bichon. Right. It could be a German Shepherd. Correct. Uh, It could be a squirrel. I would love to sit next to a German Shepherd. It could be an armadillo. It could be a tarantula did you see the picture of the duck staring out the plane window could be a duck one of my favorites man i know there's there there could be all these different it's it's about reining in all the different crazy animals and the difference between emotional support and the need for uh, like the disabled the actual service work, service dog yep. the working dogs so there's a difference there i don't think there was enough of the difference now i did hear jace talk about there are people that in severe cases, need these animals. Well, maybe they just don't fly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. maybe they, I don't know, maybe there's another way they can deal with them if they have to take a trip without their animal for a few days. I, 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 I don't have this problem. I've so got I one don't know. You. <laughs> you ready for this? Rent a service animal. When you fly, you arrive at your destination and they provide you with a loving golden retriever to spend the next seven days with until you can get back home to your own emotional support animal that might work you're that welcome might, or, or a miniature gold some something small that can fit on the airplane mm. right i love it so maybe that's the way but there were some lacking parts of that story that i wish were uh separated out a little bit more it was it was fine for what it was but i mean i've seen uh, some of those 360s go pretty long 360 the full <laughs> the 360 full. minutes uh, you know what we've been talking about you know who's going to go out and do the flat earthers thing today nicole brady our good friend because her dad is a flat earther no he's not yes he is why and, and instead of go so our our big thing folks is that the the station initiative has this uh what, what do you call it? this brand that uh, that's called 360 we go 360 a full circle around these different stories to bring you all these different angles of this story so we were talking and jokingly talking that maybe for nicole's flat earth story because they're having a convention here this week that she should go 180 mm. Mm. get it yep Nope. Are you sure? You nope. get to see what Okay. Okay. I was told that they, they they it's not that they don't think the earth is round. They just think that we need to stop giving in to science so often. Well, they think the world is more like a plate where if you if you're flying and you get to the end of the world, you actually then start curving around because it's like more like a plate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, anyway, she's going to explain all that. Maybe we should bring her in and uh, and figure all that out. The only way for her to truly find out if the Earth is flat or not is for her to go to outer space. So, let's get on it. 
I'd be scared that she'd actually crash into something. She would not be driving. I did uh, call her out on her driving skills this morning on our morning newscast, and then she tweeted at me and saying that, that we should have a drive-off. And I said, actually, she want that. that would be just fine because I would be ahead of you the entire time. Therefore, I wouldn't be at risk of your reckless driving. Right. Nobody wants a drive-off. A drive off. <laughs> a race? Is that uh, well, what she's I don't know. talking no, about? She, well, maybe, but she said a drive-off, and, and that's, I don't know what that really entails. How about this? I'll stand here, and you can drive off. There we go. Well, later on in the show, we are going to talk speeding. Yep. We're going to talk, where is the speediest city in America? Maybe your city is on the list. We'll talk to Adam Johnson from Quote Wizard about that. But first, we must say thank you and goodbye to one of the good guys in our business. Our morning anchor, Mitch Jelnicker. He is leaving Denver 7 News. He says it's time to go, and what he says he's most happy about is that he's not going to have to get up until like 6 o'clock in the morning anymore. Not have to wake up at 2 like we do now. Mm. Um, that's going to be good for him. It's going to be good for his body to return back to some sort of normalcy, I'm sure. Uh, the early morning shift really does things to your brain, to your body, to your well-being overall. It's not easy. No. Not easy no, it's at all. Not easy. Trying to flip around and do the schedule. It's, it really is tough on your body. Um, but it also reminds me that this business... Uh, can decide uh, when uh, you end and when you want to end it um, at any moment. So this this business, working every day in this business, is not a guarantee. It's not like you go to work and you're guaranteed the next day, because you're not. <laughs> well, and we're all kind of lucky to be here, right? Yeah. Um, but l- a lot of luck is made, and Mitch is a guy who made a lot of his own luck by being supremely talented in yes. a number of ways. I mean, it's the voice of an angel. We've talked about that before. He's got one of the best anchor, just straight up voices that I've ever heard in in my career. Um, he's funny. He's a nice guy. You hear about so many people who make it to the top that they're the nicest guy. It's because you have to be that way to survive, especially on a morning shift. If you're yeah. unpleasant to be around, you are not going to be around. And Mitch was never that. Mitch was always one of those guys who would come in and regardless of how he was feeling, he would at least smile at you and, and make an attempt to be pleasant. And he'd help. He writes so much uh, of the show and and rewriting things to make them sound more conversational and he's really he's obviously bringing a lot of experience with him um wherever he goes yeah Yeah. and you know if it was the end of the book it would be one thing but really it's just the end of a chapter yeah and so it's it's always exciting to see where the where it's going to go from here and so i am genuinely excited to see where he goes from yeah he's he's going to be just fine and uh you know he's got his pretty hair and he's pretty pretty fat he is a pretty man uh, I think I'm confident enough to say that he's a pretty man. He's a pretty man. Uh, but yeah, I think he'll be just. I think he'll just be safe. But um, you know, th- I'm, I know there's going to be places that'll want to hire him. I don't know if there's places out there that will want to hire me when my time here is done. Uh, that is a good question. I mean, there's always McDonald's. True. Uh, the city of Denver may be raising its minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. So. Over a DIA, I think I can do that. Yeah, I, there's something I can do over there. But I think if, I think at this point, when you step away, it's time to embrace the fun part of life, man. Like just just greet people at Walmart. All well, I was thinking maybe I, I was thinking maybe I should go get my uh, HVAC or plumbing degree of some sort. I can start taking classes now. <laughs> I can do that for a career. You could. Everybody needs plumbing. You'd probably make more than you make here. Well, we've all heard the news that Amazon has now selected Long Island City, basically Queens, New York, 
and Northern Virginia as their new co-headquarters. That left 18 cities, including the city of Denver, left feeling a little dejected after spending hundreds of millions of dollars and months courting and waiting for Amazon to make their decision. Well, some cities feel like they're owed an apology. Who better to deliver that apology than Alexa? We really wanted to move to Denver, but we also really wanted to get some work done. And how would you expect us to do that when we could be skiing, hiking, kayaking, camping, yogaing, red roxing, and pretending every day is 420, 24-7? We'd go bankrupt in a month. Look, we actually picked Denver. But when we told Jeff about it, he gave us that nice try. I know you really just want to ski slash hike slash kayak slash camp slash yoga slash red rocks slash pretend every day is 420, 24-7. And we said, oh, come on, Jeff please. And he said, I'm taking this plane to Chosen City. If you aren't on it in three minutes, I'm leaving without you. Turns out the richest human on earth has more sway than we thought. We're sorry. But, hey, if it's any consolation you've probably already forgotten what we were talking about in our saying, hey, man, is that robot, like, talking to us, man? That's so cool. You'll be fine, Denver. And we'll definitely visit. Disclaimer. This apology not actually brought to you by Amazon. Hmm. Yeah. That actually wasn't, Alexa. Well, listen. <laughs> listen. We didn't want Amazon. No, I definitely didn't buy want Amazon. Buy Amazon? Like, no. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I, you know. We I, have a couple of these big Amazon distribution, or what do they call them, fulfillment centers? Right. I mean, there, there is our gigantic warehouses. Well, and Amazon and, themselves said... Look at the bright side. We collected a bunch of data about all these cities that we were studying, and we plan to use that to make decisions in the future. So they may not have picked Denver, but now they know everything about everybody who lives here, and I'm sure that's not dangerous at all. That audio was actually created by Austin-based ad agency McGarra Jesse, and there were apologies like that for all the other places on Amazon's short list including Montgomery County, Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C., our morning show EP, Kirsten, um, my other boss besides you, mm. she uh, <laughs> said that all they were mentioning there in that apology was their bad driving. Oh. And she said she can personally vouch for the bad driving there in um, Montgomery okay. County. Is that what it, MoCo? I don't know if that's, that's what, they, what call? they call it. I just made that up. I'm sure they would call it MoCo because that's what people – people do i am so glad they didn't pick here me too i mean like really it's a relief right huge like, Twenty-five thousand additional jobs I, I i it sounds great in theory but at the end of the day if you want to preserve denver is like the smaller happier enclave in the mountains you can't have amazon yeah. here no you can't all right let me take uh, get your take on this situation are you ready there was a guy and he was at a drive-thru like any normal drive through at any normal takeout restaurant. Okay. Fast food restaurant. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. He sees a police officer, a police car, pull up right behind him as he's there at the window. You're just about to get his food. And he offers to pay for the officer's meal. Pay forward moment, if you will. Well, the officer got out of his car to tell that driver ahead of him, while that the offer was appreciated. It couldn't be accepted because I guess it could be considered a bribe of a police officer. He can't really accept gifts that way. And it would be a gift. 
So I guess he said he was he was going to go tell the driver, yeah, thanks, but I, I really can't accept your offer of this of this free meal. Well, it appeared that to the officer that this guy was really drunk. The 42-year-old driver took a breathalyzer, and the test showed he was double the legal limit for driving. He is now facing charges of impaired driving, driving while suspended license, and operating an unregistered vehicle. Now, here's what I contend. That that drunk driver probably thought that if he bought the officer's meal, they would have just looked right past him as a drunk driver and not even looked at his tags or anything like that. That he was basically buying his way out of not having any contact with that officer. In reality, it backfired and his free meal offer, when he probably just should have kept his mouth shut, free meal offer landed him in the jail and with huge fines and big tickets. This is an audio medium, so I'll tell you I was shaking my head at that. Uh, here's what I think happened. Driver number one pays for the meal, pulls up to the second window. The police officer pulls up to window number one. The fast food employee says, hey, man, that guy just paid for your meal. Also, he looks wasted. <laughs> Good point. That's Because there's no way the officer was going to turn down a free meal. Because it was a quote-unquote bribe, unless he had inside intel that that driver was doing something wrong. Ah, so you think it was an inside job? I think it was an inside job. Interesting. That is a very good possibility. Because the man who was ordering could have said, oh, I'm a cheeseburger. <laughs> just pay for all of them. Yeah, just as I'll pay for this guy and that guy and you too. <laughs> right? And treat so, yourself. Yeah, yeah, treat everybody. Here you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that, that's definitely a good possibility. I did not consider that as one of the likely outcomes. I figured the big reveal was going to be that, like, he had a taillight out, and the cop thought he was trying to bribe him to not say anything about the taillight, but drunk, nope. that makes more sense. Yes, much more sense. All right, there are very few experiences worse than having to endure uh, extensive flight delays, and we're going to see a lot of people uh, dealing with flight delays coming up with the Thanksgiving holiday right around the corner for well, us. Well, and Frontier's still in business, so that's... So you have that going for you. Yep. The double whammy, if you will, if you're going to be flying here. Uh, now, just, uh, you know, sometimes you can deal with, like, maybe an hour or two of a delay. That's not horrible. But what about 77 hours? <laughs> 77 hours. That's not a delay at that point. No. Uh, there was a 77-hour ordeal that left passengers stranded in New York City for almost three days. And here's what happened. There was a British Airlines flight that was supposed to go from Orlando direct to London. Now, the flight was due to leave Orlando at 745 in the evening. But after passengers waited on the plane for about four hours for this quote-unquote technical issue to be repaired, they were forced to get off the plane, and then they were put up in a nearby hotel then in Orlando. Well, it's not easy to go from the Orlando airport to the hotels, which aren't too far from the airport. One of the passengers tweeted out saying, imagine 100 people turning up in the early hours to check into a hotel. It was chaos. The same woman said the bus back to the Orlando airport the next day was delayed twice before eventually leaving the hotel at about 8 p.m. So these people were on a plane at 745, on there till about, what, 11 o'clock at night, taken off the plane, Taken to the air, taken to a hotel. So sometime midnight, it was probably twelve thirty, one o'clock, one thirty. Probably get in their room by two thirty-three, something like that, because there were so many people there. Mm -hmm. 
try to get some kind of sleep, rest up, shower up, whatever the case may be. Hopefully they have their bags. I don't know how they got their bags off the plane and back to these people. That could have been an ordeal too. And then and then they <clears throat> try to get onto the bus, and they probably got kicked out of their, their hotel by 11 or noon because that's checkout time. So what are they doing all day? And then they have to get on their bus, and then it's delayed trying to get back to the airport by 8 o'clock. That sounds pretty fun, doesn't it? Sounds like a great time. But that's just the start of the adventure. Just the start, Joseph. Got it. So the, so the passengers got back to the airport and onto the plane again, and off they go. A little after midnight, they're in the air. However, about 40 minutes after takeoff, the original problem with that plane was back. So the pilot, he had to divert to New York City's JFK. One passenger said they had to drop the landing gear, lose the fuel to make the plane lighter. It was the roughest one and a half hours on a flight I'd ever experienced. Made worse, I suffer from travel sickness. Children were having panic attacks, the turbulence was awful, and people were scared, tired, and hungry. That sounds lovely. I'm so good with ever being on a flight that's described in that fashion. You, you know the sound of, the, uh, of when the landing gear is down. Yeah. It's usually just before you land. Right. And it's loud. Imagine that sound for a, an hour and a half. That, so, did you watch SNL this week? Uh, parts of it. They did a great segment about how the pilot loves to talk to you in the middle of the flight, except when there's turbulence, at which point the pilot, nowhere to be found. What's he doing? <laughs> That's true. Is he on autopilot? Is the pilot taking a nap? I hate turbulence. When people say the turbulence was awful, you just hear it as a sentence, and you're like, oh, okay, that that sounds unpleasant, but they made it. No, man, bad turbulence is like you're rocking back and forth in your seat. You're getting thrown out. The yeah. seatbelt's having to catch you and bring you back down. It's terrible. I don't mind turbulence that much. I really don't, uh, just because of my years and years and years of flying in helicopters. Uh, so it doesn't bother me as much, and I realize that turbulence doesn't usually bring down an aircraft. It's usually something else. That is literally... <laughs> You'll laugh at this. Every time there's turbulence on a plane, I just sit there and I close my eyes and I say to myself, turbulence never brings down an airplane. There's never <laughs> been turbulence so bad that somebody crashed. It's always something more more important than that. Calm down. It's going to be fine. I know. My wife freaks out, too. Yep. She grabs my arm. She just she, she gets all clenchy. Well, the plane landed and the passengers were then taken off the plane. And they were sent off on their way to wait out the delay. Some decided to sleep on the floor. Others found some chairs in the gate area. They were finally actually moved to the British Airways First Class Lounge and had to stay there for two days. They didn't, they didn't buy them a hotel in New York, too? British Airways issued an apology saying the shortage of hotel rooms in New York City was because of the New York City Marathon. So it made finding accommodations for all those people more difficult. So they land in New York City, where they're having the New York City Marathon, and there are, what, 20, 30,000 runners, however many runners, so all the hotel rooms are basically packed, so they couldn't find a hotel room for anybody because of the marathon. <laughs> Some passengers were given rooms. They did find a few rooms, and others were actually rebooked on other flights, but those who remained in the original flight landed in London 77 hours late. There was a mom of a family who they all went to Disney for two weeks. They had four kids. They spent, get this, $5,000 on the airfare. Just, just between London and Orlando and back. And I, I complained about $800 right. <laughs> to get there from here. Now, she said British Airways customer service was disgusting, abhorrent, adding the passengers were treated inhumanely. The airline says they did send a relief aircraft to New York as quickly as possible to get 
customers back to London as quickly as possible, but that still did not happen until they were sleeping in the airport for a couple of days. Now, you have kids, so you have perspective on this. Imagine two weeks at Disney World, and then at the very end of it, mm, you're going to have to spend three days sleeping on a floor. Well, especially since you don't know that it's happening. Right. And if I had information, let's say we're on the airplane in Orlando, and then we have to get off the airplane, they're going to put us in a hotel. Okay, I'm thinking this is probably going to be bad. Now, I, I, I think in different ways than other people. I would go out of my way and say, I'm not going to take, I'm going to go find the hotel right next door and just stay there. And then I'll either send the airline a bill or whatever I, I have to do, but I'm going to go somewhere else. So I don't have to wait, you know, cause I'm going to try to make it most convenient for my kids. Mm-hmm. And then I go back to the airport the next day. And then let's say we land in New York. Same thing. I, I would at least want to know from the airline just the basics of when do you think we're going to get out of here because I'm going to make arrangements on my own to take care of my family on my own. If I had the bag, my bags, I could, I, I could easily just say, fine, I'll just spend a couple of days in New York and then you send me on my way when you're good and ready, just send me a text. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I'm able to adapt that way. I think my kids, my wife would have a little bit of a problem with it. The kids would have a good time as long as you're making them have a good time. Well, and the other issue is that this is one of those situations where you know the airline is dragging it out two or three hours at a time. Oh, yeah. Right? Where it's like, oh, we'll have a plane here at 9 p.m. 9.30 rolls around. Yeah, we think it'll be midnight. Midnight rolls around. Right. And, and we think it's going to be the next that's one. That's the problem. And so when you're being strung along two hours at a time, yeah, it's really difficult to go make plans. Exactly. 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 It's just poor customer service all the way around. And I wish all airlines would, would handle long-term delays and cancellation better than this. But I realize what I'm saying, and then I start laughing, and I get slapped back into reality and know that it's going to happen again and again and again because the airlines, for the most part, it's not really a customer service business. Well, and at the end of the day, if you don't want to fly, good luck getting from London to Orlando. Yeah, well, yeah. Have fun with that. Well, you know, until there's some kind of a legislation, and I can't believe I'm saying this, some kind of legislation that would actually give passengers, they have been, give passengers more rights uh, in these delay situations um, like there is now for not dragging people off of airplanes and actually upping the compensation that airlines must give for bumping you if they have an overbooked flight. Notice how that has changed quite considerably. Um, so once you, and I've said this before with, with driving and other issues, if you find somebody to the re- point of ridiculousness, they will curb their behavior. But that's what it takes. I actually just got a text from the Libertarian Party of Colorado saying they threw you out. <laughs> Dang it. Sorry, man. <sighs> well, uh, there's always the Green Party, I guess. No, they wouldn't have me either. <laughs> But here's another perfect example of these airlines behaving badly, and it comes to you courtesy of Delta Airlines. You'll really like this one. Great. There was a passenger on an Atlanta to Miami flight, and he was shocked when he stepped into a large pile of dog poop right there on the plane. And of course, he got really, 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 really mad when he was offered only a few paper towels and a little miniature bottle of gin to help clean it up. Not to drink but to help sanitize his shoes or wet down the paper towels to clean it up. Because I love it when my shoes smell like pine needles. And poop. Yep. Now, this is Matthew Meehan's account of the ordeal. He says, I sit in my seat, and I immediately smell something. And I thought, not another flight that smells bad. 
I realized the person next to me is also having their nose covered, and then I went to take my charger out. Bent down, realized it's not just a smell, it's actually feces, and it's all over the back of my legs, it's all over the floor, and it's all over the sidewall of the plane. He and the fellow flyers rushed over to the front of the plane to notify the flight attendants, whose response to the biohazard left him stunned. Matthew says the flight crew reacted by saying, Are you kidding me? We turned that in. I can't believe they didn't clean it. In other words, the flight crew was told by somebody, probably the dog poop owner. Well, I guess the owner of the dog and who left the dog poop. Right, right. More clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then told the cleaning staff when they landed that, that the poop needed to be cleaned up. But it was never cleaned up. So poor Mr. Meehan here gets on the plane and squish, or more like it, right? Something like that, yeah. He then stepped in the dog poop. Matt wanted the flight attendants to call the gate and have some sanitizing materials brought on to clean him up and to clean up the plane and the seating area so he could then have his flight in relatively cleanliness and with, with no dog poop. Can you Can you read that again? It was all over the back of his legs and the sidewall of the plane? Yes, that's what he said. He said, said, it's actually feces, and it's all over the back of my legs, it's all over the floor, and all over the wall of the plane. You have dogs, right? Or you have had dogs? No, I've had a dog. I do not have a dog now. What in the world happened? I'm sorry. Like, my dog dog uses the bathroom every day, right? I've never seen it where it was. On the wall, well, I think all over somebody's like it would. Ha- that, that sounds like an enormous pile of crap. I don't right? think it was a solid, if you will. I don't think it was uh, it, it, like a uh, uh, tootsie roll. I think it was more like a smear. I think it was the soft kind. I think it was softer. It was like a blizzard. Here's softer. what I would ask you: How did it get all over <laughs> the back of his legs? Well, he must have walked in it, and then as he's walking, it probably got into his pants. And transferred that way somehow, or maybe he's ki- he kicked it like that. I don't know. I think he's a princess, man. Well, I'm no, sorry. he definitely he's is a overreacting. Princess. And yeah, you know, you'll see you'll see more of that. How how he's a princess later. So he asked the uh, gate people to help clean up the seating area. He said it was uh, all over his bare ankles, and they didn't give him any gloves to clean it up. So he must have been wearing either no socks or maybe flip flops, something like that. He said poop was on the back of his pants, so he went to the lavatory, had to take off his pants. And then it was on his hands, and he said the smell was terrible. When he left the lavatory, he said he was shocked to see passengers continuing to board the pooped-covered aircraft. When Matthew asked the flight crew for an explanation, he said they told him that the cleaning mess wasn't their responsibility and that they were busy getting ready for departure. They told him that he could get off the plane and talk to somebody if he wanted to. So he did! (laughs) That's the kind of guy that he is. He talked to the gate manager. He said, can we get the poop cleaned up so I can sit down? The The gate manager says, sir, it's almost time for that plane to leave. You can sit in your seat or you can be left behind. We're Delta and we care. Are we? Go on. Go on. By this point, see, and this is the, when I was working at Eddie Bauer, they gave us the power to help the customer and satisfy the customer by almost any means possible. That, in, that included if somebody was wearing the jeans that they bought several years ago, they were ripped, tattered, whatever, you return them, you take them back as a return and give them a new pair because 
What they say is, if you help that one customer, they'll tell a couple of friends that you were nice. If you were mean to them, they'll tell the world. And it was more important to at least Eddie Bauer when I was working there that that was their philosophy. Doesn't seem like that's the philosophy from any of the airline pass or uh, customer service personnel. Not all of them. Maybe I'm sure there's some good ones out there, but not all of them. Anyway, by this point, the other passengers stood up in protest and demanded a thorough cleaning, so the manager sent someone over with some paper towels. <laughs> Mr. Meehan said that he had to be somewhere in the morning and he could not afford to stay off the plane, so he had no choice but to, quote, fester in feces, unquote. Yay! Yeah, that is the quote of the day. Fester in feces. Be the title of a new book. It could. It it could. He said it felt like I was an animal tied up, forced to lay down in their own feces that you see sometimes in PETA videos. Hold up. Okay. Forced to lay in it. Also has somewhere to be in the morning. So make up your mind, dude. Are you going to cancel your plans tomorrow so you don't have to be miserable all flight? Or, or are you going to sit there and suck it up? He continued, it was dehumanizing to be spoken to like that, demanded to sit in a seat full of feces with no care. They care more about getting a plane out on time than the safety and health of the passengers on the plane. Since the flight was overbooked, he couldn't even move to another seat. He said, so we sat there. During the entire flight, my row, the rows around me, it still smelled horrific. There was still feces caked into the carpet. Sounds lovely. Atlanta to Miami, a deceptively long flight, too. Like, not like that's a 40-minute puddle jumper. Now, in a statement, Delta said passengers boarded the plane before cleaning was completed following an incident from a previous flight where an ill-service animal had deposited something on the floor. The airline later said it was a golden retriever puppy Mm. that dropped the deuce on the airplane. Delta apologized again, offered a refund and additional compensation. The lawyers for Delta crafted this fine statement as only lawyers can. Safety and the health of our customers and employees is our top priority, and we are conducting a full investigation while following up with the right teams to prevent this from happening again. Doesn't that sound like a lawyer? Delta also said a cleaning crew used a disinfectant to clean the soiled floor and seats and offered to reimburse Meehan for his shoes and suit in addition to a ticket refund and 50,000 miles in compensation. 50,000 miles? Mr. Meehan scoffed at the compensation saying, that's what I'm worth to them, 50,000 miles? After putting my health at risk along with everyone else on the plane? I am a diamond medallion and a million miler member. If this is how they treat their top tier, I can't even imagine how they treat people who aren't part of the Sky Miles program. He really said that? Yes. He really said that? Yes. I hate this guy. Sounds like a real treat to hang I, out with. I love when we, we tell stories of somebody who was legitimately wronged. Like, don't, don't send a plane that has, like, crap on the ground, right? So, yes, he was legitimately wronged, but he's also just terrible. Just terrible. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, you know, and I was, and I was, I'm thinking, I I remember, I I knew a guy named Matt Meehan, and I know he does live in Florida. It can't be the same guy. I'm going to have to check, but there's no way it can be the same guy. Mm -mm. If it is, I'm making a call to him, and we'll talk to him. 
I don't want to talk to him. I'm good. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, the flight attendants probably should have done a better job of making sure that the cleaning people cleaned up the poop in the first place. But they didn't. Well, instead of flying, Joseph, there's actually going to be a lot of people driving over the next week or so, uh, right here before Thanksgiving. And it's well documented that speeding is one of the main factors behind deadly car crashes across the country. Not only does speeding endanger the life of the person driving, but also the people on the road around that speeding driver. Now, it seems that we have lots and lots of speeding drivers around Metro Denver, and we do, but every city has its own share of fast drivers. Now, what city around the country do you think might have the highest rate of speed demon drivers? We're sure it's not Denver. No, it's not Denver. Okay. But the folks over at Quote Wizard, they used over a million data points on speeding tickets across the country to find out where the most number of speeders are. And joining us here on the show is Adam Johnson from Quote Wizard. Adam, welcome to the Driving You Crazy podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. So what city, I guess we should start with the top, and what city is the worst of them all? So number one, most fastest driving city in the country is Wichita, Kansas. Uh, Rounding out the top three, number two is Omaha, Nebraska, and number three, Boise, Idaho. So people speed when they have nothing better to do, is what you're saying. (laughs) Some could say that, sure. So why Wichita? Why why Omaha and Boise? It just seems, obviously, as Joseph said, they're small towns, but why, why these small towns? Well, you know, there's, uh, you know, according to our data, there's really no rhyme or reason. Uh, you know, a common question we do get uh, on the fastest driving cities study we put together, uh, a lot of folks are asking, you know, is this a matter of people actually driving fast or is this a matter of police being on extra speed patrol? Well, we, you know, we look back at some of the data, you know, this is derived from our best and worst driving cities study we put out back in June. And that's based on a number of things like accidents, as well as speeding tickets, DUIs and citations. And what we saw Omaha, number two, on the fastest driving city study was actually number one on our worst driving city study altogether. So we could assume that Omaha you know, being the number two fastest driving city and the number one worst driving city overall, probably a combination of a lot of crazy drivers. Uh, where is Wichita, though? Uh, Wichita, number one fastest driving city, um, but was actually 25th in our worst overall. So with accidents and all the other citations, DUIs uh, that Wichita has and a super high rate of speeding tickets, Wichita is likely one of those cities that has a high rate of police patrol looking for speeders. Yeah, and it probably seems like not only that they have the higher uh, level of speed control, but also, as Joseph pointed out, maybe these are smaller towns where uh, there is more prevalence of DUIs and there's more just people out doing whatever they're doing and, and, uh, and there's enough enforcement to pull them over. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the top uh, top twenty five here. You know, there's a combination of you know smaller, more wide open cities where you can really step on the gas, uh, you know, without running into a lot of traffic. Uh, but you know, cities like Portland, Oregon. Uh, you know, we're we're up here in Seattle, and I've been to Portland many times, and the traffic there is terrible. Um, you know, places like the Bay Area, uh, Seattle also made the list as well. So a lot of high traffic areas uh, where you know you don't always have the opportunity to you know let it loose like you would in Wichita or Omaha. Uh, so, you know, again, there's you know, really no rhyme or reason to the, you know, the quality of the city or, uh, you know, kind of its surroundings. We're speaking with Adam Johnson, the content manager, spokesperson, the overall 
uh, just a guy that uh, is running, quote wizard. Uh, uh, Adam, <laughs> Denver came in at number 25. Uh, anecdotally, I think it should be higher on the list, but why was Denver uh, that far down? Sure. Well, uh, you know, again, going back to our uh, to overall best and worst driving city study, uh, Denver did come in at 15th overall. So Denver, uh, you know, aside from speeding tickets, uh, you know, also a city with high rate of accidents, uh, as well as other citations uh, that could be talking on the phone, that could be running red lights. Uh, so with Denver coming in at number 15 in the overall best and worst study, um, really kind of tells you that, you know, Denver may not have a speeding problem. Other situations like accidents, citations, DUIs are dragging down Denver when it comes to overall driver quality. So did you uh, include uh, drug driving, you know, like pot driving in, in this thing? <laughs> well, we, we only looked at DUI data, um, and that's just, uh, you know, a DUI on the surface, uh, you know, not the severity of it or which kind of substance that included. Uh, our, our data doesn't include that. One thing I noticed just looking at your list of the 25 speediest cities is that there's nowhere in New England or even New York State on this list. And as somebody who grew up there, I would I generally think of people there as not just speedy drivers, but also bad drivers. Why did those cities manage to, to stay off this list, do you think? Well, you know, again, this is, uh, you know, we're just looking purely at the data here. Um, and you know, this is, this is what we found is these cities yeah, had the highest rate of speeding incidents, um, you know, as well as in our previous studies, the highest rate of you know, tickets, accidents, um, you, you know, those things. Um, but you know, what I can say is, uh, you know, after talking to all these folks around the country, uh, you know, especially, uh, Florida who you, their cities tend to be some of the safest driving cities and everybody in Florida says, give me a break. I drive on these roads every day. We absolutely have the worst drivers in the, in the country. And you're saying that about the Northeast, uh, the kind of the anecdote that I've, I've heard around the country is no matter where you live, everybody always assumes that that place has the worst drivers. Can we flip that question to you though? Is there any city that where you speak to people on a regular basis and they say to you consistently, actually, we have some pretty great drivers here. Well, you know, um, Salt Lake city, um, you know, really nice folks in Salt Lake City. Uh, a, a few years ago, Utah was the worst driving city. And a lot of folks were like, you know, I, I, I don't really buy it. Uh, you know, we, we tend to have really polite drivers, um, you know, whereas from personal experience, I'm terrified to drive in California. Uh, you, you pull out of a, you pull onto an arterial street and you got to get up to like 55 miles an hour. It's it, that. From personal experience, I can say California, but uh, from people I've heard around the country, Salt Lake City uh, tends to be a city that uh, a lot of people don't agree with that. Yeah, it's uh, so many Californians moving here. We, we see that a lot as well. If you live in one of these cities, are your insurance rates, do you think, going to go up even if you really have never been ticketed for going over the speed limit? Yeah, and that's exactly why we put these studies together. Um, you know, we, we one of the big factors that insurance companies look at is, uh, you know, first and foremost, your personal driving record. Um, but let's say you're one of those folks in the fastest driving cities that's never had a speeding ticket. Insurance companies look at the folks around you, and if there's high-risk drivers speeding around you, then your insurance rates are likely to be affected. So, again, the reason why we put these studies together kind of raise awareness. It's kind of a fun thing we do, um, but it also circles right back to your insurance rates. And, you know, if you are in a city where you are around high-risk drivers that are speeding around you, 
you're likely going to want to shop around for quotes, see if you can find a better rate with another company. Well, I think Queens, New York, and Northern Virginia are probably going to drop off of any speeding list now that uh, Amazon HQ2 uh, are <laughs> is heading there. I would think they're just going to make everything so congested, nobody's going to drive anywhere fast. Yeah, you know, uh, living here in Seattle, uh, Amazon does have a big impact on traffic, and the neighborhood up in South Lake Union where Amazon is, uh, from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the morning and then the afternoon drive, just absolutely gridlock. So we won't have to worry about putting those cities on our study anytime soon. There you go. Perfect. And I'm so glad you anecdotally told us how great it is that Amazon is not moving to Colorado. Thanks, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) We are so happy about that. I can't tell you. All right, Adam Johnson with uh, Quote Wizard. Thanks again for uh, your time here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on today, guys. Well, that was pretty interesting. Um, I Like I said, I am so glad that Amazon is not moving. Here. Well, exactly, and I don't think it's any surprise to us that, oh, Amazon brings gridlock? Yeah, exactly. Shocked face. Well, we are just a week out, as we talked about, from Thanksgiving, and I saw a list of what people around the country are searching for on the Internet regarding the holiday. Oh. Things like, are there restaurants open on Thanksgiving near me? Eh, that's pretty standard. You would think that... Right. People are going to want to know that information. I think the grocery store is the bigger one, right? Yeah, is the grocery store open? When is Thanksgiving? Like the day, because it always changes. It's the last Thursday, and the last always the last Thursday in November. Right. But it's early this year. But there are some very odd searches as well, and I don't think any was stranger than what people in Colorado are searching for Thanksgiving, as we are searching more than anything else for turkey bowling. Uh, you know it's funny that's not what i thought the answer was what do you think the answer was gonna be <laughs> i thought we were searching to get for a the turkey recipe. high vermont was the state searching for recipes for ambrosia salad for thanksgiving oh really so how to get uh, how to get a stone turkey look i i can answer that question for you but we're gonna have to take it off the air now i was looking i was i was i was interested then as i as i saw this about turkey bowling and and it is just what you would think it would be you use a frozen turkey as a bowling ball and you try to knock down 10 plastic bottles as the bowling pins i'm unaware of any bowling leagues turkey bowling leagues frozen turkey bowling leagues well it's, around it, town. it's not round right so it's, it's no it's harder to roll it down but i than... think you don't roll it i think you more slide it well that's bowling too right well bowling the ball rolls and there is technique to bowling because you can do the spin action so it's spinning, and then it hits the pins in a certain way, and then knocks them all down mm. in that beautiful splash. Whereas turkey fashion. bowling is more of a push motion, is what you're trying to say. And try to just blast, exactly, okay, okay, just kind of okay. blast it. But I didn't know there was that much interest in this activity. I was also taken aback by a few other search terms from around the country, like "What is Thanksgiving?" Look, that's a great question. That was searched by people in Iowa, Kansas, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Montana, Nebraska, Ohio, and Tennessee. Mm. People in Missouri are searching for this question. Does Canada celebrate Thanksgiving? The answer is yes and no. Not our Thanksgiving. They have their own Thanksgiving hosted on the second Monday in October. So yes, kind of on that one. Similarly, people in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Virginia, they've been searching for does England celebrate Thanksgiving? And the simple answer there is no. No, they don't. But they should start. 
I mean, they were such a big part of Thanksgiving here in America. Yes. But Thanksgiving, really, if you look at the history of it, was more of a thanks to God for us surviving the winter and being here and, and for this new land and all of that stuff, rather than thanks to the Indians and Native Americans for giving us some I just want you corn. to know that is not what I was taught in school. We I were know, taught it was not. definitely you were thanking the Native Americans for helping us learn to plant corn. No. And not so much, thank God, the corn grew. No, that's what you. That's actually what Thanksgiving is all about. It's actually more religious-based than it is. I'm out on Thanksgiving, man. Then now you're out because yeah, of it? I'm out. I'm sorry. People in, sorry. People in Washington and Illinois searched uh, mostly for the term Friendsgiving. So maybe you can <laughs> be part of Friendsgiving instead of Thanksgiving now, right? Are you okay with Friendsgiving? Yeah, Friendsgiving is just a nice dinner party, right? In Wyoming, they search mostly for Thanksgiving games. There's not a lot else to do up there in Wyoming. <laughs> I was going to say shoot the turkey. That's the game <laughs> in Wyoming. I guess I'll have to start some kind of maybe Denver uh, frozen turkey bowling league. We could do it right here, Denver 7 Studios. Seems like there's a lot of interest out there. Instead of you and Nicole racing cars, yeah. you could just go turkey bowling. We could do frozen turkey bowling. I think that's brilliant. I think that is really brilliant. It might be fun. I mean, how, but that, all right, now, now I'm thinking about some logistics here. Since you have a frozen turkey, it doesn't stay frozen forever. How long does the turkey stay frozen outside of the freezer? And do you then need to replenish your frozen turkeys with new frozen turkeys when the turkey you're bowling with, with is now becoming more um, defrosted? This is what the internet is for. I can't answer these questions for you. I won't look it up during the podcast. I'm sorry for that. And uh, there's some logistics that have to be worked out here. I mean, how? When, at what point do you need to replace your warm turkey with a fresh frozen turkey? Probably when the friction takes its toll and the turkey's not quite all the way frozen anymore. Then can you freeze it again? And is it only then used for expressly turkey bowling? They must or have can a, you then cook it? You have to have an on-site freezer so you can swap out the slightly warm turkeys for the completely frozen turkeys on a regular basis. So you to can't just have a, a league that's out there on a, in a park somewhere. It's like taking your frozen turkey to a park and then, and then doing it that way. You can absolutely have a league in a park somewhere. You just have to bring a freezer with you. Well, how are you going to plug it in? Figure it the out. back of your tundra. I mean, get it or together. Your I'm sorry. We're in Colorado. Everybody drives a Subaru, <laughs> don't they? Yes. Yes. Or they do. just about something like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we are a week out from Thanksgiving. We'll be here the day before Thanksgiving. Yes, we in will. fact, I'm actually going to be working on Thanksgiving Day and the day after. Um, do you want it? Does it do, seem a do, little ridiculous? Do you yes. want to talk about that? Uh, well, maybe, we, maybe we talk about it next week because okay. it'll be a lot more ridiculous then. Um, do you expect people to be waiting in Black Friday lines this year? No. We had a very robust newsroom conversation about this. I said, let's go back to 2013. Let's pull our Best Buy story. Let's find the guy who was camping in front of the Best Buy. Let's talk to him in 2018. He's just sitting in front of a computer now. He doesn't need to wait in line anymore. Nope. Black Friday's dead, man. I do think it is changing, and I do think the way that people are marketing the Black Friday thing is also changing because it used to be you waited until Thanksgiving to get those ads out, but now all these companies are now dropping their ads early, so they're trying to generate interest in it. And I just want you to know there is no greater Thanksgiving tradition than getting the hell out of the house and going to the store for anything. For anything? doesn't matter what I'm looking for. I just need to not be in the house anymore. And you know, I heard an advertisement for for that company uh, Car Toys. They're the ones that would put a, you know, new car oh, stereo car and all toys. right, car toys. 
And what they did is they said, and they made a really good point. We're doing Black Friday now here at the beginning of November because why wait till after Thanksgiving to get these sales? We want to give them to you now. My prediction in the future is Black Friday will be moved to before Thanksgiving and you will see more stores doing pre-Thanksgiving, pre-Black Friday sales because why wait till after Thanksgiving? There you go. You're welcome, America. You're welcome. And I also think we're going to rename November 1st Tree Day. What? That'll be the day where you put up your Christmas tree, because Halloween's over and Thanksgiving ain't that important. I am with you on that. I already have the lights on the back fence on, and I will be turning on the lights in the front of the house on Friday. Love it. Yay! I will Are be we going to be there? Will, will also, seven be there? No, they won't, but I will also be in a baton twirling uh, parade at South, uh, I think Southlands. Not South Clanning, yeah, Southlands Mall on Saturday evening. So you can join me out there if you like. You're not emceeing the parade. No, but I will be helping to pull the music in the cart, the little uh, red wagon. I will be pulling. I am the music puller this year of the wagon and the music with the baton twirlers. Okay. So I am an integral part. I actually had to sign a waiver that says I will not sue Southlands if I get injured. I love waivers. <laughs> so I love waivers. Hey, I meant to ask you, when is the uh, bagging competition this year? I don't. You know what? They usually do that in the spring. Okay. Safeway, I, the Safeway one. I knew it was coming up, man. Yeah, I'm it's very, usually I'm in the spring. very excited for the Denver 7 bagging competition. Yes, that's the one where we do that for the, um, the Easter Seals and um, – uh, Special Olympics. Um, we help yep. them out. We raise a lot of money for both those organizations and also collect a lot of food for the uh, food bank of the program. Rockies. Uh, so we do this competition where all these media people teamed up with a Special Olympian and we try to bag these groceries, certain amount of groceries in certain you know, the lowest amount of time. And I have come in first once and I've actually hit every, I've done this for, I don't know, 14 years. I think I've come in in every single place, first through seventh or eighth. So I have two goals this year. One, get invited. Two, win. Okay. Those are good goals. There you go. Perfect. All right. That's about it for this edition of the 99th edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast, episode 100 next week, which is really stunning. 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 It really is. Until then, be safe. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I am Amazon unenthusiast, Joseph Peters. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring.